Welcome to another Ontario Animal Health Network podcast. Today, we'll discuss the outcomes of a recent research project of the Owen Wildlife Network, where researchers from Trent University and from the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry worked to characterize spatial patterns of chronic wasting disease susceptibility in white-tailed deer in Ontario. Chronic wasting disease is caused by a prion organism, and it's a progressive, ultimately fatal disease of cervids. So that's species like deer, elk, or moose. So it is important to monitor this disease condition. I'm Dr. Kate Todd, and on behalf of the network, I'd like to welcome researcher Sarah Haworth from Trent University. Sarah was a research contributor for this project, and she'll provide some insights regarding the research findings. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kate. Thanks for inviting me to join. To start off, can you describe your professional background and your involvement in this project? I'm a graduate student at Trent University. I am completing a Master's of Science, and this project has been part of my overall thesis project. And who else worked with you on this research? Working with me is Dr. Aaron Schaefer from Trent University and Dr. Joe Northrup from the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry. So I know this is a pretty technical project. Can you explain the goals of the project to us briefly? So the goal of the project, to really frame the goal of the project, we need to understand kind of the background of the disease. So most of us are familiar with the concept that if you have tall parents, you're likely to be tall too. And we know, although this has an environmental part, it has a huge genetic part as well. But this doesn't just apply to height, it also applies to different things like disease. And so let's say we have a certain variation in a certain gene that's linked with cancer. Some of these variations mean that the person is less likely to get a cancer, while other variations mean they're more likely to get a cancer. And this applies to uh, chronic wasting disease as well. So for our purposes, let's call these protective variations. So we know that chronic wasting disease affects what we call cervids, or this is species of deer, caribou, elk, and moose. And it's been found in North America, Europe, South Korea, and it's rapidly spreading. This disease actually has been shown to have different progressions. So whether the animal gets sick on exposure right away, or it takes a little while, or the animal once infected might take longer to die, depending on their protective variations in the prion gene. And so when we characterize uh, how animals get affected by chronic wasting disease, we look at the prion gene because it is linked with this disease pathology. But because of the way that prions work, although we have these protective variations, the animals will get sick and will succumb to the disease eventually. Part of making sure that Ontario has the most informed and most effective wildlife management plan in the face of chronic wasting disease is to make sure we understand the pattern of these protective variations across our huge and complex landscape. In the most vulnerable population in Ontario, our most vulnerable population is the white-tailed deer. So why was this data so important to assess in Ontario specifically? So although Ontario has not found chronic waste and disease in over 13,000 animals they've tested over the last 16 years through the CWD surveillance 
and response plan. In fall 2018, about 15 kilometers from the Ontario border, chronic wasting disease was detected, and this was the first case in Quebec. This led to Quebec undertaking the only way we really know how to combat chronic wasting disease when we detect it, that's through the calling of the animals on the facility it was found and near the facility where it was found, and then a shutdown of all hunting and other deer-related activities until there is no CWD detected in that region. The area is essentially closed and closely monitored for at least five years, and if no more chronic wasting disease is found after this point in time, things tend to go back to normal. It's important to note that all the research uh, that looks at chronic wasting disease in white-tailed deer, virtually all of it, has been conducted in areas that have already found chronic wasting disease. And so what they do uh, usually is they compare the protective variations of sick and healthy animals to see how they differ. Rather than comparing different regions across the landscape and before chronic wasting disease is found. So it's really important because it gives us um, a baseline for Ontario of the frequencies of these protective variations in our white-tailed deer to compare to if we do ever get chronic wasting disease. And this will help us understand how the disease is spreading in our province if we do get it. So did you find out anything as part of this study that really surprised you? So when chronic wasting disease enters a population, predicted that the animals with these protect, protective genes or protective variations are more likely to spread their advantageous protective variations to the next generation just because they are less likely to die as quickly and more likely to pass it on through reproduction, right? So mm -hmm. no study right now has had the opportunity that we have had to examine the gene frequencies before chronic wasting diseases in the population. So we're looking at the very baseline of what these variation frequencies are. And it would appear anecdotally that there are barriers on the landscape, barriers such as the Great Lakes, that prevent deer from traveling huge areas and being able to reproduce. And so we would expect to see clusters of related animals using their genes um, and clusters of the protective variations then in certain areas due to the way breeding works. But surprisingly, we did not find any statistically different what we might dub as genetic hotspots or of the protective variations. So this means this time we cannot say that one place is less likely to be infected than another place based solely on the genetics. But we do have to keep in mind there are a lot of other factors that come into play with chronic wasting disease spread, factors such as the deer density and the proximity of deer to things such as game farms. It was also interesting that we found the frequencies of our protective variations across Ontario were very similar to frequencies also reported in Western Canada and more different than frequencies reported in the United States. So our data lines up with what we are seeing in Canada. So how do you think, given that, I guess, that the mapping of this information will support future planning efforts so around surveillance for this disease in wild populations of deer? So first, I would like to acknowledge that this question would be best answered by wildlife managers, and I am not one. But I can offer that this knowledge could potentially be used to find and monitor regions of Ontario that, let's say hypothetically, have clusters of animals that are more susceptible due to their genes. And so the monitoring can be intensified in these areas to make sure uh, they do not get ill. And if they do get ill, it's managed quickly. 
Alternatively, this means we can also relax management in hypothetical clusters of animals that are less susceptible, according to their genes. But we didn't find any of these clusters of protective variations. So I think moving forward, our best option would be to implement this genetic screen, screening process I've developed through the project into our detection efforts so we can continue to compare the data um, over time to our baseline in this study. And this gives us an advantage of possibly detecting chronic wasting disease in certain areas through genetic shifts, or we can possibly detect it through um, physical uh, detection methods, the traditional methods with um, chemistry. And we don't know that for sure because it hasn't been done yet. It hasn't been implemented that way. But theoretically, if we did see a dramatic shift in the frequency of our protective variation, we could hypothesize that chronic wasting disease might have influence in that region all of a sudden, and that's why that shift is happening. So are there spin-offs from this investigation that you find really interesting, and has it inspired any future research efforts? So this project has inspired us to continue to use our genomic tools to further investigate the genetic movement patterns of white-tailed deer. Because based on those findings, it doesn't seem to be a barrier to the genetic movement, even though we have landscape barriers that potentially could hinder breeding, such as the Great Lake, that seem impossible for deer to travel around to breed. But according to some of our preliminary results, it seems that these are not posing as genetic barriers. Understanding this movement of white-tailed deer will also help us predict it in predicting how these protective variations in the prion gene may be passed on to the next generations of deer based on the landscape. So we've developed a bioinformatic protocol, which is essentially using computers to decipher genomic information to tell us um, the gene sequence of the animal at the prion gene that will allow us to quickly and effectively continue monitoring um, the frequency of these variations as we collect more tissue over time. Wow, I think it'll be quite interesting to hear more about where your research leads. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah, um, to help explain some of the technicalities of this uh, Wildlife Network research project. Thank you for having me. Just so our listeners are aware, uh, you can find the project summary, the full report, and the map on our website at www.oahn.ca. If you click on the Publications tab, you'll find a list of all of our network's projects and the final report on this particular project on characterizing chronic wasting disease susceptibility patterns in white-tailed deer in Ontario. It's in the list for 2019. Thanks again, and thanks for joining us, everyone.